talking about? What's up, KSAP? Yeah. James Ford, that's me. Let me talk to him. That's me. I'm sick of ball dropping. I'm sick of ball dropping. Chopping up these topics, man. I'm sick of ball dropping. Driving coast to coast, making moves ain't stopping. Driving coast to coast, making moves ain't stopping. Nah. Hey, let me put you on game. These other podcasts, I hear talking they shit, but ain't repping the same. This my bro KSAP, chopping up topics for your optics. From politics to your top picks. Tune in, you gotta watch this. Exclusive material for your radio stereo. Stop what you doing and listen, we smashing all competition, you better jump on this wave, somebody pass me a mic, man I got something to say, And now, your host of the Simply Ball Dropping Podcast, the man behind the mic, KSAC. Yo, welcome to another episode of the Simply Ball Dropping Podcast. I'm your host and the man behind the mic, KSAP. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the events that are taking over our country here in the last three and a half months. The pandemic, the killing of a young black female, Breonna Teller, by the police, and the shooting death of Ahmaud Aubrey, and also the latest killing of a Minnesota resident, George Floyd, another black man killed by the police, also, we will discuss the protest and the looting that is going on right now as we speak. Joining me today to discuss these topics, he's no stranger to the podcast. Give a warm welcome to the good doctor and the reverend. Please welcome Reverend Dr. Derek Shackerford to the show. Thank you, uh, Cream. I appreciate that. And thank you for that, that warm, kind introduction as well. All right. It's a pleasure. And um, we're going to get right off into it. Um, I recently noticed, you know, you do a lot for the community back at home. And I've seen you've actually started to go live on your Facebook channel, reaching out to the community through this pandemic. Um, I've logged on. I've watched all your principles. You go out late in the evening, take a walk and you just have a conversation to let the community know that everything's doing well. When did you find that necessary to start going on Facebook Live and reaching out to the community. Well, thank you. Thank you again, Kareem, for having me. One of the things that I looked at, um, particularly during this pandemic, as as it kind of moved along with the uncertainty of what was happening was, one is how could I stay connected to the people that we stay connected to during these times? Two was, how could I create a new discipline? You know, one of the things I realized and I recognized during this pandemic, particularly early on, was, how it's going to change our life, uh, meaning that things were not going to go back to, to any sense of normalcy, what we call normal. And we can kind of talk about that a little bit later. And so one of the things I wanted to do was I want to say, how could, how could I stay connected to, to people? Because, you know, with these social, these social or physical distance measures in place, the face-to-face contact was no longer going to be um, something that we were going to be able to, to do. So I wanted to say how we could stay connected. And particularly with the uncertainty of the times, and how folks had angst and folks had anxiety and confusion and uncertainty and all these different feelings. One of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to start something about connecting with people, about how I could, how they could stay encouraged, how they could receive information, how they could also apply some points and principles to their life. So that when um, the question I always asked this was, who do you want to be 
coming out of this pandemic. Because I think so often times when we go through things, we don't change. Um, times change, situations change, but we don't change. And so we have a hard time adapting and adjusting to certain situations in life. But life is so fluid that life is all about change. Sometimes we're forced to change. Sometimes we want to make the change on our own. And sometimes situations and circumstances dictate that change. And sort of like, you know, if I say I want to lose um, 15 pounds, that one, I got to start somewhere. Two is I have to put the discipline in place to lose that 15 pounds. And three, if I've got habits where I like to eat or I like to, you know, I, I, I like to stay on the couch or whatever that is in terms of gaining weight. If I don't put those points in principle into practice, then those 15 pounds I can't lose. And so I, I started um, these these going live every night because what it also helped me do was it helped me exercise. You know, we were we were socially distancing and staying away from people and not being able to be in contact with people. You know, gyms were closed, fitness centers fitness centers were closed, and I said this is an excellent opportunity for me to to walk, to run, and also to connect with people, to keep them informed, and also to keep them motivated and encouraged. So that's kind of how it, it all kind of formulated. And then it just it just kept going and 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 we had a we had an audience where every night I would come on. Um, even when I, I came on late, there would be folks who would he would message me talking about you're running late tonight or are you doing it tonight? And so what I decided to do was to, just to do it every night. So we've been doing it every single night um, since March March twenty seventh. Yeah. And, and that's a great thing. And, you know, I'm a piggyback off of what you said. And, you know, when you first started, you know, you came on, you tried to get your audience engaged. You wanted to see who was mm -hmm. out there, you know, listening. You just wanted people to check in with you to let people, to let people know that, hey, I'm doing fine. You're doing fine. And I appreciate you. Appreciate you reaching out. And the crazy thing about it is after a, a couple, you know, Facebook live sessions, your audience started to grow. I started seeing a lot more comments, a lot more people being engaged. So let me ask you, when you first started doing it, how did you come up with the five principles that you put <laughs> into the show and to get engaged with your audience? What are the five principles and how do you think of the five principles when you come on at night and about to, you know, do a show? And, and, uh, actually, actually, there were four initially. They were, they were four because I, I um, and it was kind of the four principles, points and principles, what I call healthy lifestyles and maintenance, because these are the four principles, I think, that all of us have some assemblance of how we live our life by. Um, one was how is our emotional and mental health? How is our attitude? How do we feel about ourselves? How do we feel about the situation going around us? How do we feel about the world at large? Um, also recognizing that there, there were folks who were having a difficult time and how to manage this, how to understand this, how to deal with this. Um, you know, mental health is, is an issue in our in our country. And now this this for some folks now and for some people, this this made it I don't say it made it worse, but this opportunity for them to, to be in silence and to be lonely. And I wanted to offer that as also an opportunity for help, for me to offer assistance to connect them to resources and people who I've had who I have relationships with in terms of from the mental health counseling perspective. So they will have to do it in silence or do it alone. Also an opportunity to engage trust. So it was emotional or mental. Second was the spiritual. And how do you do that? Whether you pray, whether you read, whether you meditate, whether you uh, be still, whether you, you, you sit in silence, whatever that spiritual principle is, I, always, I used to call that, I call that soul care. How's your soul doing? The core of who you are, how are you doing and how is that? Um, 
third was our relational health. And this was a big part about the social media aspect was physical distancing, but how we stay socially connected. How do we feel a sense of connection? Because, you know, social media can be so impersonal. We post and then if there's we, no matter how many friends we have, we still don't we feel connected, but not that sense of connection where they really know me or get a chance to know me or get a chance to understand me or get a chance to talk to me. You know, folks, they comments on your page. We don't really know. And, you know, you show you show pictures and all these things in which these interactions take place. But they're so impersonal. So how is your relational health and how are you dealing with your family? How are you dealing with your friends? How are you dealing with your associates? How are you dealing with um, just our relationships in terms of social media? Because as you can tell, when time passed on with social media, um, and particularly now, is it became very contentious. Folks disagreed or folks agreed or folks had arguments, folks had debates. And you see folks talking about, I'm, I blocked this person, I deleted this person. And you would see these back and forth conversations where there was no agreement. So how's your relational health that you're not caught up in that? And then folks will get consumed with that. And then the other part about that is how do you detox from that? How do you separate from that? Um, fourth, what we call our physical, um, our physical health. You know, whether whether you ran, whether you walked, whether you uh, you elliptical, whether you you cycled, whether you did push up, sit ups, jumping jacks. Uh, I gave a whole you know a whole list of exercises that folks can do. But how do you stay physically active? And we added the fifth which was our awareness health. How are we reacting and, to, and responding? Because our reaction and our response, um, you know, says a lot about how we react to what we see, how do we respond to what we hear. You know, we react to something on social media, we react to something on the news, we react to something that we heard. And what's our response to Our response one, that you know what, we wanna um, say we're right. Our response to say, you know, dismiss it. Our response to say how we're gonna process it. And all that was important because we were taking in so much information, you know, about this, about COVID-19, about what it was, what you couldn't do, wear a mask, don't wear a mask when you're outside. All these information was coming in. Oh, it's not true. It's a hoax. All this information was coming to us at once. And and this was this thing about how is our health in those five components, because those five areas or those five principles basically make up how our how our health is overall and so that's one of the ways i kind of looked at at that man that's a great thing and and yourself as being you know a community leader back in our hometown um you do reach out to a lot of people and like you stated a lot of people was are being engaged in your conversation because like you said a lot of people if you miss a day they'll inbox you and say hey when are you coming back on you're late so it's a good thing that you're reaching out to, you know, many people back in our community. And it's it's a good thing that you're doing that because, you know, we have a lot of community leaders back at home. But you're one of the people that are using your platform to reach out to people and just to touch bases, just to say, hey, we're going to be OK. But like you stated, how do you want to be as a person when you come out of this COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. So it's always a great thing that you're doing. Like I said, I follow you. I get on your Facebook lives, you know, and I, and I sit there and I listen to a lot of things. And there's a lot of people that, you know, say a lot of things, but you're a person that says a lot of things and your actions speak loud. So a lot of people, you got a lot of backing back in the Frederick community and a lot of people look forward to you coming on. So, you know, for me being out here in Texas, man, I do appreciate everything that you're doing back in our home community and, and you know, giving people a chance, you know, to listen to what you have to say as one of the leaders. So we do appreciate you. 
Oh, thank you. I, I, like I said, I just think it's important for us to, and how do we, you know, the right information is so important, particularly for, for us, man. It, it's like, you know, we, we, we have, there are two types of information. There are information that, that comes through one lens and through a filter. And then there's, how do we, how do we now, how do we now filter that information, which, which it's, is, is given or is just disseminated? Because there's a set of information that's given for a certain audience and a certain crowd and certain um, and, and people. And then and for us, it's now how do we now filter that information in terms of, you know, how do we apply it? What's true? Um, what's what's real? What's relevant? And so I think it's so important for us that we receive the right information for people who who who, who know and understand about what we go through and how and the life that we, we live. That's absolutely correct, man. And I'm glad that you said that because there's a lot of things that you see on social media and you see reports that is fake news and you don't know what to believe. And people always have their own assumptions. They take things, they run with it. If you say something to a particular article, like you stated earlier, somebody might come in. I'm going to block you. (laughs) Take me off your Facebook page. I don't want to see this negativity. But the negativity extends from the media itself. You know what I'm saying? They they post all this fake news and you don't know what to go on. You don't know what the truth is. And, you know, it's crazy that the world has come to that today that you don't know what is a reliable you know, source that's putting out there. You don't know. If it's good or bad. So, you know, we don't have all the answers. You you just got to, you know, sometimes, you know, take a step back and take it for face value. And you got to do the research yourself before you start mm-hmm. coming out, you know, speaking reckless. So, absolutely. you know, with that said, you know, it's a lot of things that are, you know, taking place today as we speak um, on the I know you've seen the video of the, the George Floyd incident. And, you know, it's just it's it's. it's heartfelt man to sit there and watch that i can't watch it no more and now that you know the protesting is going on so with all the things that are going on in the world and with the protesting um what do you say about you know the things that are going on and the protests going around all these states (laughs) um i'm glad that you you said that you had a difficult time watching that that audio that video because I think what's happening, and I, let me let me share this screen. I, I actually, as a, as a pastor and preacher, I very rarely kind of talk or talk about particularly um, issues that happen. Because if if so, then you will be just inundated with uh, every Sunday sermon about something that's going on. Yes. Um, in terms of news chasing, but I, I really had a difficult time this week, and I'm sure like some of your some of your your listeners. Um, because it, it was one w- watching a videotape, um, we seen we seen a total abuse of power, misuse of power. We also seen uh, someone be treated not like that, as if they were not human. And it cut to the core of who we are: that someone misused their power and abused their power. Who's supposed to who's supposed to be protecting life, uh, appreciating the dignity of life. And they treated someone as if they were not a human being. Secondly, there was Ahmaud Aubrey in New Brunswick, Georgia, and the brother was the brother was murdered jogging through a neighborhood. And the part about it was, if not for a videotape, it wouldn't even came to light. The pressure mounted, and with that pressure mounted, and yes, in New York City, 
And for and for you, we can all relate to that. Being followed, being stopped, and when, in New York City, where the where the 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 woman says African American man, and the emphasis she puts on that, as in that that signals that we are a threat. Yes. And all of us have had that experience, or someone of that that experience. So that touched me to the core, because when I when I seen the videos, that was as if a family member, someone I knew, that happened to and occurred, because I can relate to that happening. And you and I both know in certain situations and circumstances, that could have been us. Exactly. And so. That's the reason why it cut me so deep, the pain, the hurt. And then it was the exhaustion, the tired of, here we go again, of, oh, man, you mean to tell me this is on video and y'all still going to act like this doesn't exist? We've been telling you long before videotapes that this has been happening. And now this the videotape came out, and now you have this, this law where law enforcement is not, the police officers haven't been tried, or haven't not been tried, but haven't been arrested. Yes. You and I both know if that had been us, we arrested the same day. Yes. Exactly. And furthermore, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the videotape, who's to say they would be arrested at all, or one would be arrested at all? So it was just so exhausting, because it's like, here we go again. Um, this is obvious. This is not something that's, oh, you know, maybe, possibly... This is obvious, and yet you still see this this slow walk, this apprehension. You still see, well, maybe I got to see what he did. Um, maybe I got to look at his record and see. For us, it's always a different form of what we call justice. It's it, there's 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 two justice. And the other part about this, and I think this is important, is, and I've been talking about this on on on, on my live feeds, is that see, we got to deal with this in and to the very fabric of who America and what America is. That this deep racial um, violence and hatred and animosity has been part of America's history. And what's happened is America doesn't really want to confront it or deal with it. You know, it's part, it's, it's sort of like, yeah, it's a part of it. But you know, it's not really, it's not really, it's not really an issue. Yeah, we we got this, we got this nasty side of our history, this bad side of our history. But you know, sort of like you know, you got somebody, you just kind of put them in the back room that you don't want to know everybody that you got somebody in your family, you know, who may not be doing well, who you know, or whatever that is. And it's sort of like we just put it back here. We don't want to deal. With it. But every what happens is it always comes back. It doesn't creep up because it's always the elephant in the room. But everybody just walks around it. Yes. And so it's like you it's it's like the elephant in the room and everybody walks around the elephant and everybody tries to get around it. And what happens is the elephant weighs so much and so heavy and so visible that when the elephant moves, it shakes the whole house. <laughs> speak on it, speak on and, it. And so and so what's happened is racism has just moved again and now it's shaking the whole country. And you see the reverberations of what's happening. You see folks protesting, you know, folks don't even gotta be nowhere near Minnesota. But folks are affected by it because yes. that elephant in the room has moved. And when that elephant has, in the room has moved, now it's reverberated to Frederick. It's reverberated to Texas. It's reverberated to California. It's reverberated to Chicago. It's reverberated to Florida. It's reverberated to all these places because it's something that we experience. We don't 
about, we don't really confront, we don't really deal with. And now it just came to a place where the elephant has said, now the elephant now is like, you know what? What I'm gonna do is when I move, you you didn't you didn't give me you didn't give me the space. So what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna wreck shop. Yes. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna wreck shop. I'm gonna knock over everything. I'm gonna dismantle all your systems, I'm gonna dismantle all your institutions, whatever I gotta do for you to address it. This is what I'm going to do. And what's happening now is, and, and, and I've said this so, so, so much, Kareem, over the course of this pandemic is that, it, and as a preacher, I got to say this, when change happens, see, we, we, there's two things about change. And I, used, and I used previously the exercise example. And that is this. You go to the doctor and the doctor says, Okay, Mr. Shackford, I need you to lose 25 pounds because you're a little heavy and it's affecting, you know, it's affecting the way you walk. It's affecting your lifestyle. So what I do is I either make the choice. Okay, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose the 25 pounds. Or I say, nah, doctor, don't worry about it. And what happens is I develop health issues, diabetes, uh, out of breath. And what happens is something happens health-wise. And when something happens health-wise, you either take heed to what the doctor said or what the change needs to be, or you do it yourself. And what's happening with this change is, and our, from this pandemic to this is, we're being forced to change because we have not been willing to change. And so now what the forced change occurs is this dismantling of what we call some of our institutions, some of our thought patterns. And here's the thing about what's happening now in our country is, see, it's, it's getting so, it's getting so, um, so much attention and particularly for young people who are kind of leading this. This is kind of the, the new um, I'm going to use the word civil rights but the, they're the new, their new fight because young people um, are have grown up in a diverse country. They, they've seen it. They, they've seen it. They're, they're, their friends, their associates, their interactions are all part of a diverse culture. While you know, you and I being a little older there was there was a sort of division, you know. Our parents, you know, of course, had a, a you know a bigger divide, but young people are like this ain't right. Yes, and, and we saying we say, well, well, you know, it's it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, I know it's not right, but it's it's okay. And young people are like hell no. Yeah. And what's happening is now they're rising up, and so when you see we see all these protests and all the young people who are leading the protests and the young people who are doing it the right way. See, I don't focus on this notion of looters and rioters because there's always people who take advantage of situations, misuse situations, speak and, on it, and mistreat situations. There's always, there's always those people, and we can look at that. We can look at any in any facet there is. You know, one thing I talked about today was about looting. Was this? Because, um, so instance, you know, the, the narrative changed to the looting part. Yes. And part of the reason is because the media loves that because it gives ratings. <laughs> because when you watch when you watch that looting. And, the, and those, and those quote-unquote riots, you sit by the TV and you, you don't want to move it. Look at those people. Look at that. And then what happens is the narrative changes for folks say, yeah, see, justice. But those rioters and looters, because it creates this, it creates, it creates this big divide. But see, the, the, the part about that is, I said about looting is, um, I remember a few months back before this pandemic started, um, there was these five... There was these five people in in, 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 con- in the halls of Congress who had these big stock po- stock portfolios, and 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 what happened was they sold their stock because they knew this pandemic 
which is going to cause their st- the stock prices to drop so they got out early, that's looting. Yes. <laughs> and, and what's happening is we, we don't realize we got two, we got different, different strokes for different folks. And we want to, we want to use it. We want to use looting in the terms that, oh, there are folks going in there taking stuff. No, there's folks who, who sit in these halls of Congress, CEOs, sit in these big seats who loot, who loot as well. When you have, when you have policies in place where folks don't have access to health care, we have policies in place, policies in place where folks can't make a living wage. We have these policies in place that's called looting, but we don't put we don't put that name to it because what it does is we try to put another name to it. And so, what's so important for us to realize and recognize is that we got to be smart and be wise to what's going on that was happening. And like I said, this George Floyd man, I think it touched all of us because all of us could relate to that, and even our young people who have seen. You know, who have seen over the course of the last, you know, whether you go Mike Brown, whether you, you know, you know, who, you know, you, you go Mike Brown, you go Eric Garner, you know, whoever, whoever um, you go to in regards to seeing this, young people see it and they say, that ain't right. Yes. You Brunswick, Georgia, that ain't right. That ain't right. And that's not the world I want to live in. And so I just think this, this change is good. And what's happening is we're being forced to change. And the problem is, People don't want to change. Yeah, you broke that down, and, and people need to hear that. And, and it's crazy that some of the points that you was making, you know, you go back and you look at the Breonna Teller situation, you look at the Ahmaud Arbery situation, now you look at the George Floyd situation. And I know that you, you know, as an avid basketball fan, and you played the sports, and you watched the Last Dance, and you know the stigma that they created <laughs> on Michael Jordan about not being, you know, getting involved in the social stuff. But Michael Jordan just released a statement, and I just want to share some things of of the statement that Michael Jordan said. He said, I'm deeply saddened and truly pained and plain angry. I see and feel everyone's pain, outrage, and frustration. I stand with those who are calling out the ingrated racism and violence towards people of color in our country. We've had enough. I don't have the answers, but our collective voices show strength and the inability to divide by others. We must listen to each other, show compassion and empathy and never turn our backs on senseless brutality. We need to continue peaceful impressions against injustice and demand accountability. Our unified voice needs to be needs to put pressure on our leaders to change our laws or else we need to use our vote to create systemic change. Every one of us needs to be a part of the solution and we must work together to ensure justice for all. My heart goes out to the family of George Floyd and the countless others whose whose lives have been brutally and senselessly, senselessly taken, you know, from the acts of racism and injustice. How do you feel about that statement from Michael Jordan? I'm glad. <laughs> Let me say a couple things. One is, OK, I'm glad he made it. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't like to be critical of anyone who makes statements during this time, because I don't think that's a fair thing to do to attack people who make statements during, um, during these moments. Um, one, so I think, I think it's safe for everyone to make statements now. And I say that, I say that that's the right thing to do. It's safe to, for everyone to make statements now because it's obvious. The, the part, the difficulty part is, when we when we see these things time and time again, or we know these things take place, and when we stay quiet, that, and and that's the part where where it's not popular, where you know it may it may affect you financially, 
but it's not about you. It's about it's about your community and about other people. And so I appreciate the statement and I don't question anybody's sincerity about the statements that they use. I'm just I looked at, looked at this from my vantage point in terms of the position I hold um, and the things I'm involved in is that it's always convenient sometimes to to say something. But people really need for you to speak up and say something when it's inconvenient. Yes. When it doesn't affect your bottom line, when you know when you don't have nothing to gain from it, when every when people provide you cover, those are the most difficult times to say things, and and also the most important because when you look at particularly leadership in this country, and when change has been has occurred, it's not always occurred when the masses of people have gotten behind someone. It's amazing that how Dr. King is so oftentimes lifted up now, and you see memes and you see his you see his um. You see his his words being used. But Dr. King was not a very popular figure in the 60s and the 50s. There were folks who didn't want had to be associated with him, wanted to be around him or be connected to him. Now, all of a sudden, we use him because the masses of people have benefited from his sacrifice. And so when we look at leadership, leadership is not always about popularity, always about people knowing your name, knowing your face. It's, a, it's about what are you standing for and the influence that you're using whether you hold a position, whether you hold, um, and, and I always say that leadership is not a position. Because I think so often that people look for leadership in the wrong places, that leadership is not one who holds a position. There's an ingrained authority with leadership, but it's not always a leader. Sometimes those positions, I always say this, they're position holders and title bearers. <laughs> they're not, but, they don't, but they're not leaders because leadership is, is about being uncomfortable because the people that you you may be leading are uncomfortable, and if you can't um, if you can't identify with that struggle, if you can't identify with that hurt, if you can't identify with that pain, it's very hard for you to lead. So I appreciate Michael Jordan and those who make um, comments now, I, and it's kind of interesting because the NFL today came up with a comment. Because part of this for the NFL is they look real hypocritical now because Colin Kaepernick speak um, on it, speak on it, did, did what he did, and. And even, and I'll say this, brothers who were in NFL turned their back on them. Yes. Owners didn't want to have nothing to do with them. Um, people were talking about how unpatriotic he was. And what he did was, he took a stand. I think, me, me, you talked about this one time before, was I even said that, I said, Colin Kaepernick's going to go down in history as one who made a great sacrifice. Yes. Because what Colin Kaepernick was recognizing was it was not going away. It was something that we, like we just said about America, it's in the fabric of America until we deal with it, confront it. And if you don't believe uh, that we've dealt with or confronted at the time, it was still going to happen. And how ironic that what happened makes Colin Kaepernick look like he was right. I'm not saying he was right, but he is right. Yes. And now the NFL comes out with a statement. And now because partly it's because the NFL understands that its bottom line is in trouble. And so my question is going to be now is, um, I, I appreciate what you said, but what would be more important is that you say to Colin Kaepernick, we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we apologize for what we've done. We were wrong. If you want to talk about doing the right thing and you want to talk about making amends and making changes, that's what the NFL needs to do is they didn't have a formal apology to Colin Kaepernick because what he was doing was he was doing the right thing. That's absolutely correct, man. And you said that, you know, so eloquently. And the crazy thing about it is I saw, you know, Beyonce made a statement right now. I want to hear from Jay-Z because of the fact that he said mm -hmm. we're past kneeling. 
So I I want to I, I want to hear his you know comments to everything that's going on. And I just want to ask you another question before we wrap it up. Um, is there any good advice that you can say to the the young black listeners that are out there listening today? What kind of advice would you give them in the time of what we're going through right now? Um, to uh, to the listeners, I would simply say this: I, I use this. I, I come from my background is sports. Um, my background is now is uh, politics and now what we say, uh, I say theology. And all those all those kind of merge and intersect and intertwine in some sort of way is one is that you've got you've got to develop um, what we call a team, some organization, some mobilization and some strategy. You know, when you, when you go when you play on a team. Um, and particularly no matter basketball team, football team, baseball team, and no matter if you play individual sports such as golf, tennis, what you don't do is you don't just go out there and play. You know, whether it's boxing, no matter what it is, you just don't go out there and play. You go with a strategy in mind. You train yourself, you go out with a strategy in mind, and what you have is no matter whether you're what sport you play is, you put a good team around you, whether you put coaches, trainers, because they're the ones who can bring the best out of you. Um, similar to what I, I say in terms of, um, you know, politics and theology, um, I've learned is, you know, we gotta we gotta pray, and we gotta fight. <laughs> yes. You know, pray. Prayer gives us the strength to fight. You know, I'm all for, I'm all for praying, but like I say, like I share with folks today is, we gotta fight too. So you gotta put some feet on your prayers. You gotta vote. You gotta use your voice. Um, you gotta use your economic power. There's time out for us um, spending money on people, on places, on things that don't respect us. Absolutely. That man. we know don't have our best interest in mind, that we know don't give back to us. And we, we got to use our dollars. And we also got to use common sense. And when I say to folks is um, there are people in your circle who you know are inappropriate in regards to the language they use. There are people at your cubicle at work who you know say these things and we give them pass. There are people who we know, who we interact with, who we just let it go and bypass and say, oh, this is them, and we don't say anything. And then the voting part. <laughs> the voting part is so essential. Let me say this, Kareem, as, a, as one who's elected in, in our city. Your local election affects you more than your national election. Now, we can talk about the national election and what that means and what we see at the national level, which is, which is, which is another topic all within itself. But your local elections make the difference. Because those are the places that where you can make the most relevant change, the most immediate change. Your, your city councils, your, your state's attorneys, your law enforcement. These are the places where you can make the immediate change and where you be active because the people who are running make these decisions. When they make these decisions, they make these decisions in a context, in a place where sometimes we're not included because we're not the table or we don't vote. So... There's a number of avenues and mechanisms that we have to use. We've got we've got to use we've got we have these powers to better our communities, better our, our ourselves. And the one thing I said today to um to our people and and, and the times that I've had these conversations with folks is, I'm fighting for my children. I'm fighting for your children. I don't, I got more days um uh, behind me than I do ahead of me. And I recognize this that we're the places and spaces that I'm in now is not because some of the things I've done is because I had a grandmother, a grandfather, a father 
crew decided they were ready to shed blood for me just to be in the door. And we know that it's not it's not been easy for some of us to get through these doors while others have had the door wide open for them based on legacy, based on their connections, based on their money, based on sometimes even their race. And that's real. For us, it's been somewhat different. And we've got to understand this, that my job is to push the door open a little wider, put another log on the bridge to make the bridge a little wider. And if we can do that, man, we can make the changes necessary for our community and for for the next generation. Man, that's great, man. And you spoke that so well, man. And like I said, it's always a pleasure having you back on the podcast, man. And I do appreciate your time, um, you know, sitting down, speaking with me today. And it's always been a pleasure. And that's going to wrap up another episode of the Simply Ball Dropping Podcast. Once again, I'm your host and the man behind the mic, KSAP. And we'll catch you on the next one. Deuces. Thanks for listening to the Simply Ball Dropping Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share on all major platforms. 